Blog Talk Radio. The Four Persons, Inc. is a federally registered and licensed 501c3 charity. Any use of any of our content without our permission is prohibited by law. Our purpose is evangelization, education, and social action. Please go to our website at thefourpersons.com or our blog site at thefourpersons.net to make your tax-deductible donation by credit or debit card. You can also send a check to The Four Persons, Inc., P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. To contact us, send us an email at email at thefourpersons.com. talk about your uh you you jumped right into catholicism rocks i noticed you've brought a lot of your um a lot of your podcast over and uh trying to keep up as best i can but you know i've got a lot of irons in the fire but i noticed you've jumped right in so i want to talk about that and i also want to talk about you know some of the little projects we're working on you know we got our Got our little toys here that we've been playing with. Not gonna, <laughs> not gonna hide that. And uh, some projects that we got going on here. Lewis is probably gonna call in a little while, and uh, I just thought it'd be a, a fun night to go over a lot of things. First sure. of all, before we go into anything further, I want to play something and get your thoughts on it, if if you would. That yeah, okay. cool. Okay. Here we go. Okay, I'm not hearing anything. What do you think? Well, I couldn't hear a thing. Uh, it was just pure silence on my end. What 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 did I miss? Really, you didn't hear it. No, I'm hearing it. I'm clear. I can't understand why it didn't broadcast. Hold on, let me try that again. Well, it may be like last week, you know, when you were, um, you played something off of YouTube and it was just silence on my end. I know. That's why I'm determined to get it fixed. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's try it and see if it works this time. You hear it? No, I don't hear anything. Okay, well, so much for that. <laughs> well, sum it up, and I'll tell you what I think. I'll 
<laughs> well, it's a song. It's uh, by Oliver Anthony. It's called Richmond, North of Richmond. Oh yeah, heard I've heard it. that. Okay, so at least I know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I honestly, I have listened to it two or three times, and I can't understand everything he's saying, but I like the message. It's kind of an anthem for the working guy, and uh, yeah, we're kind of forgotten nowadays. Um, and uh, you know, it's, it's kind of things like it kind of seems like we're being pressed from both sides. Oh from yeah, the corporate yeah. side on one end and the government side on the other end, and we're getting squashed in the middle, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that's always the case. Isn't it? That goes back to um, uh, Merle Haggard's "Working Man Blues." Uh, that's mm-hmm. one of my uh, absolute favorite tunes of all time. Even though Hag turned out to be a uh, uh, complete leftist at the end of his life, but that was after doing like seven boatloads of cocaine in a three-year period. So, you know. Hmm. All right, so let's talk about Catholicism rocks, and by the time we do our next show, I'll have this uh, I'll have this mixer issue figured out as to why. Well, that's it's no not problem. Good. I mean, I, I have heard the song, so I at least I know what you were talking about. Well, it's streaming stuff into the mixer, just not taking it into the upload for the show, which is just really bizarre. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm a total Luddite. I mean, seriously, when it comes to tech, I mean, even when I was you know, playing music and doing a lot of radio stuff, um, I'm like the guy over there with my, like, you know, 57th Silvertone amplifier with the tubes. I, I'm not the guy with the uh, with the mixer board, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think Lewis is having a hard time calling in for some reason. I don't know why. He just called me on my mobile phone, but don't call me on my phone when I'm on the air. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's talk about Catholicism as a rock. Let's talk about uh, what you got going on there, um, What what kind of what your role is and what your vision is. Well, yeah, it's, it's a great group. Um, I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm very new. I've only been on board, I guess, about uh, three weeks now, maybe a month. Um, basically, Sean, who uh, – I guess Sean's the guy that pretty much runs everything. He got in touch and said, um, would you uh, like to help us out and, and be part of what we're doing? And I said, yeah, anyway. Um, you know, he made me a moderator of the forums and um, – the forums aren't very active, so if any of your listeners would like to jump on there and join us, you'll find a very friendly group. We need to get those going. And um, he said, can you kind of migrate your podcast over here gradually because they have a certain format. They like to have a nice photograph and you know notes about it and all that. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And um, he said, and you know, would you like to use our uh, YouTube channel? For uh, your podcast, I said absolutely. I was I was kicked off of YouTube about three years ago because I think I may have actually been the first person in the United States to say that the uh, COVID virus may have come from a lab in China before President Trump or anybody. It just like you know made sense to me that it may have because of where it came from. Yeah. And I said that, and they kicked me off YouTube. They kicked me off Facebook. Uh, it was like a torrent on Facebook. Like five thousand people were calling me racist for no apparent reason, and suddenly my account was gone. I know exactly what I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you, folks, I'm about to tell you the truth. This is the truth. I have never encountered more vitriol and hate from my side of the aisle, from the conservative side of the aisle, than I did in two thousand eight. In the late spring, early summer of 2008, uh, there were, when we, we were on our political show, and our political show was huge. It was called A New One, and it was the number one political show on Blog Talk Radio for, for like nine months. But I made a prediction, and people shed their skin when I made this prediction. It's they, just like it was the most horrible thing that they'd ever heard. And I was a sexist, and I was a misogynist, and I was just all these horrible things because I made this prediction. You want to know what the prediction was? And I made it I before. Sure I made it. Okay. I predicted that 
John McCain's running mate would be Sarah Palin. Uh, yeah. That that that's what got you in trouble, huh? That's what got me in trouble because they said that I, all I was doing was playing the old demo, Democrat uh, gender identity politics. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you who he's going to pick as his running mate. Yeah. I'm not saying that's who I would pick as a running mate. And, I, and, and they said, well, what makes you think that John McCain is going to pick Sarah Palin? I think part of what infuriated him so much is because it was so positive about it. And this was like April, okay? April or May. It was so positive about it. I said, I don't think John McCain is going to pick Sarah Palin as his running mate. I know John McCain is going to pick Sarah Palin as his running mate. It's a fact. Write it down. Yeah. I said, what do you base that on? I said, look, the guy's in trouble among pro-life voters. He's in right. trouble among women voters. He's in right. trouble among reform voters. He's in trouble among uh, conservative voters. He's in trouble among pro-life voters, among military voters, among young voters. And he's going to try to pick one person. He's going to try to try to throw a hail mary pass that's that he thinks gives him the best chance of of stopping that stopping that bleeding. She immediately said, oh, so you think that picking Sarah Palin as his running mate is, is going to make John McCain win the election? Said, that is not what I said. No. <laughs> that is not what I said at all. Uh, I, I got to admit, I did not vote for John McCain. I could not make myself vote for John. I voted for Bob Barr that year, if I remember correctly. I also did not vote for John McCain. I couldn't I couldn't do it. And what really turned – I had this bad habit, and I did last night was another example of my bad habit. I have a bad habit of thinking for myself and, mm-hmm. and, and making up my own mind on the issues. That doesn't mean I, I don't respect people who have a different opinion, but I'm not going to make up, I'm, I'm not going to uh, adopt an opinion just because it's popular. Yeah. I'm to adopt an opinion based on on what I what I think is right, and you know I used to handicap these elections. I used to help people get into the in, internal, and I understand the internals of poll numbers. I actually did an interview yeah. with Scott Rasmussen of Rasmussen Reports, mm-hmm. and I understand how in poll uh, uh, poll internals work. Yeah, okay? yeah, I get into that too, <laughs> and and that's why I know that what happened in 2020 is impossible okay? yes exactly mm-hmm. it's impossible it just completely defied electoral physics yeah it's impossible. no doubt about it i know i've been watching uh lindell sing this morning and you know uh <laughs> he is the hardest person for me to listen to uh his his vocal patterns his speech pattern drive me insane uh, but he uh the no the information he presented especially with this video he played about 10 a.m. this morning uh i was like yes i was watching that i was watching those numbers i know exactly what you're talking about there is no way that happened it's just statistically that's an impossibility right right i i i i tried to explain to people i said listen there's two types of elections Oh, by the way, we've got Lewis on 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 the line. Lewis, jump in anytime you want. Ava Maria, um, I remember when I was John McCain was running. Um, it was I made the mistake of being a liberal back then before I knew any better. Yeah. I made um, the mistake of voting for Obama, and that was a huge mistake. Hmm. Well, remember yeah. the immortal words. Well, this is attributed to Winston Churchill. Some people say he never said it. You know, anyone who is under 30 who's not a liberal has no heart, and anyone who's over 30 who's still a liberal has no brain. Exactly. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but once you know it, then it makes perfect sense, and the eyes kind of uh, um, go on. But that was exactly what The Wizard of Oz was about. Did you know that? Yes, absolutely. I love – I'm a huge fan – um, no, I have 
yeah, and the Federal Reserve and the gold standard, and yeah, we could talk. I, okay, so where I grew up is actually um, just a few miles from where the resort uh, and theme park used to be, the Land of Oz. It had yellow brick roads. It had the Emerald, uh, whatever, the Emerald City. And, and the actual munchkins would come every summer, and there would be actors there. And, I mean, yeah, just yeah. total geek on Wizard of Oz, and, and especially the old books, which were very, very allegorical. I agree. It's a, it's a political satire, what people don't realize. And, you know, when you understand that, okay, um, <laughs> you know, you got three kinds of politicians, those that have no brains, those that have mm-hmm. no heart, and those that have no courage. <laughs> and um and and I would say John McCain was all three. <laughs> I would as well. I yeah. would as well. Well, of course he did show courage apparently when he was a POW, but after that he was a complete uh opportunist and he sold us out worse than any democrat ever mm-hmm. tried. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So anyway, and, but, um, yeah. when I used to handicap elections, um, so they had this big party on Blog Talk Radio that this woman, Elizabeth, you know, threw at all of the big Blog Talk Radio shows. And ironically enough, ours was not invited. We no. were the biggest political Blog Talk Radio show, but ours was not invited. Well, because I had humiliated her. Because on the day she was convinced that, that McCain was going to pick Eric Cantor. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it just so happened that Eric Cantor was n- was the only person who was not listed as one of the speakers at the Republican convention. Mm-hmm. So she took that as a cue that Eric Cantor was going to be the VP pick. So she's actually taunting me. I called into her show. And she's taunting me on Blog Talk Radio. She says, "She says, John, this would be a good time. Do you want to apologize for your for your?" insane pick now that uh, today is going to be the day that John McCain is going to announce his running mate. Do you want to apologize for your pick? Elizabeth, why would I apologize for being right? (laughs) And she, and she laughed. She said, John, you know that Eric Cantor is the only name that was not listed. I said, "Uh, (laughs) Elizabeth, um, do you read the gateway content? (laughs) She said, (laughs) Uh, no, I don't. Why? Uh, well, maybe you should. Because Gateway Pundit reported this morning that a Learjet left Anchorage, Alaska, on the way for Dayton, Ohio. You happen yeah. to know where John McCain is speaking today? Speaking in Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> he said, well, don't even try that. He said they've already confirmed that, that uh, Sarah Palin is at the Alaska State Fair today. I said, no, 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 no. What they've confirmed is that that was on her schedule. That's what they've confirmed. She's on that plane, Elizabeth. (laughs) I said, you're going to be the one apologizing to me in about four hours. (laughs) Props for reading Gateway Pundit back then. I mean, they're ahead of the curve on just about everything, and I hadn't even heard of them. What were were you talking, 08? I had not even heard of them in 08. Right. They're they're one of the best. So anyway. No doubt. There was a lot of bad blood because I humiliated her right there on her own show. Well, no, yeah. I take that back. She humiliated herself, and I helped her do it. <laughs> well, you forgot the immortal words of Rush Limbaugh. The goal of the caller is to make the host look good. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know who it was that said this quote, but it's one of my favorite quotes. Um, when your enemy is immolating themselves, get out of the way. Let them right. continue. Or when they're digging a hole, hand them a shovel. Right. <laughs> so anyway, so I wasn't invited to this big election night party, but it was being hosted on Douglas Gibbs' show, and it just so happened that Douglas Gibbs respected me very much, and he said, John, I want you to call in. And I said, okay, I'll call in. He said, well, he said, John, uh, are you on board with what everybody else is saying? Is John McCain going to shock the world tonight? Uh, no, no, he's not. And and he said, but he said, he said, well, what do you think is going to happen tonight? I said, well, I think uh, 
you know, Barack Obama is going to win at least 300 electoral votes. I, I think probably north of 350. He ended up getting 365 or something like that. Um, he said, really? He said, you think it's going to be an electoral college blowout? He said, said, John, what do you base that on? I said, Doug, I want to tell you a story. In 2004, I assisted with the Bush campaign. Mm-hmm. And I actually, as a result of assisting with the Bush campaign, I received an invitation to the inauguration. Unfortunately, my boss was a jerk, so I didn't get to take the time off to go, but I got the invitation nonetheless. Four days before the election, I pulled one of the party apparatchiks apart. We had this great big party. I pulled one of the party apparatchiks apart and said, okay, who's going to win? And then I was living in New Jersey at the time. He said, oh, Bush is going to win. I said, I, I don't want your yay our team spin. I want the truth. Who's going to win this election? He said, John, Bush is going to win the election. He looks at me with a straight face and said, obviously, he's not going to win New Jersey. Okay? We went through the motions. We did what we needed. Uh, you know, we made Carrie spend some money in New Jersey. Obviously, Bush is not going to win New Jersey. But he is going to win the election. And I said, okay. Convince me. He said, John, the last four days, where has Bush been campaigning? I said, hmm, New Jersey, Michigan, Pennsylvania. He said, exactly. Blue states. He said, where has Kerry been campaigning? I said, pretty much the same states. He said, exactly. He said, both of the campaigns know what the real numbers are. Despite what they say for the cameras, they know where the race is, all right, where they're campaigning. Don't listen to what anybody says. Watch where they're campaigning, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and so Doug says, well, what, is, what does that have to do with this race? I said, Doug, do you know where Barack Obama was campaigning on July 4th? And he said, no, Montana. Yeah. yeah. When the Democrat is campaigning in Montana, it's over. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yep. He said, "Now are you predicting uh, that Barack Obama is going to win Montana?" No, no. The fact that he's even there shows this campaign is ten exits past over. Yeah, exactly. And two or three days before. Trump's election against Hillary, I called a friend and said, Trump's going to win this election. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he said, why? He said, what makes, what makes you so sure? I said, look where they're campaigning. Yep, Hillary's, campaigning Hillary's campaigning in Detroit. She's campaigning in Pittsburgh. Two days before the election, I said, if Hillary is trying to shore up Detroit and Pittsburgh two days before this election, <laughs> it's over. She, she knows she's in trouble. Detroit and Pittsburgh? She should have had them nailed down by what, about February? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh, no, I agree. No, you're, you're right. That's the same, same way I read things. And uh, <laughs> Oh, you know, when you you're know, uh, concerned does, about it's New one Jersey. of the things about being a Catholic. It's one of the things about being a Catholic. You, you, yeah, your fidelity has to be to the truth, not to what you yeah. want to be true or not to what everybody wants you to believe is true, but what is true. That's what our goal should be, to seek truth. Truth, yep. truth, and nothing but the truth. Am I right? Absolutely. Lewis, what do you think about this? In regards to spreading the truth, regardless of what people say, I fully agree. Um, I was, like, doing something real quick, like having a customer, but um, okay. I do agree with that point. You were, you were talking about the John McCain and Bush elections and all that stuff, how basically we can't trust most of the presidents. Is that correct? Oh, well, what, yeah, I sure. what I was basically saying is don't believe what they say for the cameras. They know what's going on in the yeah, cameras. Or, or what the media tells you. 
right. mean, like, um, the, the presidents, they're puppets, basically, most of them. And the ones that don't want to be puppets are often demonized. I have, like, something that you guys are probably going to be surprised at, but um, Trump, he said something amazing. And he, he brought up uh, uh, something that I'm so glad that, you know, people actually um, – he, he brought up a strong truth. And um, one of his speeches, not even in election speeches, but one of his speeches this year, he outed the government. You know how um, government spies have been um, – it's been already publicized. They've been sent to spy on the Catholic Church on regular Catholics. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Trump actually outed that, and he said, um, it's the Catholics that they're after. It's the Catholics that they want. Yeah. Yep. And why do you think that they're after us over maybe a, a Pentecostal or a Methodist? Well, we because have Because we're the true truth. church. Yeah. Whenever, for example, a Satanist, for example, um, wants to be initiated into, like, um, the Satanic cult, they always break into a Catholic church and steal the um, consecrated or unconsecrated host. Mm-hmm. Did you guys know that? Yep, mm-hmm. definitely. Why, why us out of all people? Because they know we're the true church. Well, right. the point that you're bringing up is that all of these evil, all of these evil things, the the alignments with the communists and and the and the, and the pedophiles and 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 all of these dark, sinister things, we have to remember what Paul said. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities and, the, and, and, and thrones and dominions in high places. We have to recognize the devil behind all of it. Yep. And the devil knows who the enemy is. The devil knows who the enemy is. Well, um, I'll tell you um, something kind of <laughs> maybe tangential, but it really does tie in. When you were in, in Jersey um, fighting against Kerry, um, I was in North Carolina, and uh, my family's been very po- powerful in politics here for a couple hundred years. And um, John Kerry and John Edwards used to come to the house for supper. <laughs> they were friends with my uncle. And my uncle was a big, very big uh, political activist. My grandfather was a very big political activist. And uh, about that time, my uncle got sick and died. And... Um, Everybody of political parties throughout the country um, sent letters, presidents, senators, congressmen. You know, the only two people who didn't show up for his funeral or even sent a card? John Kerry and John Edwards. Wow. And the one thing I see in in President Trump, and uh, while I, uh, a huge reason why I'm like 100,000% MAGA, is because. He does those things behind the scenes. He shows up for funerals. He sends cards. He uh, visits people in hospitals, and you never hear about it. You know, I mean, he's actually got the heart for the job. Yeah. Yeah, it's not political theater like it like it is with with Biden. Um, yeah. But I don't know if you listened to last night's show or not. Did you happen to hear our show from last night? No, I had internet issues. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bad thunderstorms. Right. Well, maybe you'll be able to go back and listen to it in the archives. But you know, I, I look. I um. I I don't think there's a single political candidate that I agree with 100. Mm-hmm. percent. Um. Not not one. Um. And and I do have to you know I do have to be honest that Donald Trump's you know, braggadocio and, and arrogance sometimes rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. I wish he wouldn't brag so much. Um, but, but one of these on. days you're going to get tired of winning. Just remember that. Yeah, but, I, I mean, the, the bottom line is this, okay? People ask me why I voted for Donald Trump in 2016. All right? Well, I can give you a bunch of reasons. All right? And I had doubts about Donald Trump because Donald mm-hmm. Trump had, you know, ties to liberals in the past before 2016. Yep. I had serious doubts about Donald Trump. But when anybody asked me, why did you vote for Donald Trump? Very simple. Because I looked across the aisle and saw what the alternative was. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just, you know, 
hold your yep. nose and vote for Donald Trump. Um, you know, and then I saw for four years that he he actually tried to keep the promises that he made. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but you know what kills me is when I see some of these politicians and some of these people that are actually trying to gaslight us into believing that we're the criminals who tried to steal a presidential election. I just, and it, it goes, who do they think they're fooling? Yeah, yeah. Do you, Look, I, do, you I, really you come honestly, do you really honestly believe that there's anybody in this country that deep down inside in their heart of heart honestly believes that Joe Biden got 81 million votes? I'd like to meet the person who really believes that. I can introduce you to my neighbor, but you, it wouldn't go well. <laughs> no, I, I mean, come from North Carolina. You've got experience in people Jersey. People talk the party line, but I don't think deep down inside, I don't think anybody really believes. But, you know, the way that Joe Biden acted in the last few weeks of the election, he spent the last few weeks of the election hiding out, hiding out in his basement. Yeah. They knew the fix was in. They knew it. Oh yeah, they had. But well, that's what I was just saying. I, mean, I, I got come from North Carolina. I got we have news. the. I'm sorry. I, I, I was talking over you. What'd you say? I said I got bad news for people. 2024 is going to be the same same thing. If you think that anything has changed, the Republicans haven't done anything to fix what happened in 2020. And if, if you think that the Republicans have even a chance in 2024, you're just deluding yourself. RNC totally let us down, no doubt about that. RNC and and the leadership, uh, they're I mean they're they're playing for the same team. We all know it. Mm-hmm. But um, and when the president tries to break out of that, they actually speak the truth. Um, mm-hmm. They do get silenced. Yeah. Well, the only hope is just that the people will rise up in numbers that overwhelm the system. I mean, it doesn't often happen, but it does occasionally. Well, you know, Lewis brought up a good thing. I mean, like, um, if you look at, for example, the Daily Wire, Mm -hmm. they're doing an excellent job speaking out against all of this. Uh, Matt Watt and uh, Michael Knowles, which are devout Catholics, they do a good job speaking out against all these, you know, um, things that are happening behind closed doors and all that stuff. Um, I think it is happening. Um, and, you know, most of uh, politicians, as we just said, you know, they are in cahoots. You know, they're playing for the same team. But I do personally believe there are some that are, you know, sincerely trying to, oh, you yeah, know. sure. Yeah. I was named after... John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Oh, yeah? Yes, I was, because I was born some 10 months after his assassination. And so I've done a lot of reading and a lot of studying about the Kennedy presidency. Uh, And not only John Kennedy, but his brother, Robert. Mm -hmm. Uh, and let me let me tell you something. <laughs> if you think some bozo on a sixth floor of a warehouse with a bolt action rifle <laughs> pulled that off by himself, you're you're deluding yourself. That was a professional hit. Yeah. That was yeah, actually yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's kinda of, you know, when we were talking last week about the Masonic Order and everything, you said who are the ones that the the few presidents that weren't Masons? Right. The first one I mentioned was Kennedy, and I'm not a Kennedy fan. I mean, you know, right. some things he was good on, some things he wasn't. But he's better than Nixon. But, Nixon was a pure. The point, that, the point that I was trying to make is that John Kennedy, okay, mm-hmm. John Kennedy opened his mouth and spoke his mind too much. Yeah, and they don't like that. And his brother Bobby did the same thing. His brother Bobby made enemies with the movers and shakers in the CIA and the FBI. They didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, a lot of these people saw John Kennedy Jr. as a threat. Uh, yeah. So he, he 
drives his plane straight down into the ocean. Um, right now, the one that's running his mouth quite a lot is Bobby Kennedy Jr. And if he yeah. doesn't stop, he's going to wind up just like his father. Now, it, I would never vote for him. I have no intention yeah. of voting for him. But he says what's on his mind and speaks out against his own party. Um, <laughs> there's a long history in the Democratic Party. Things do not go well for people who sp- for Democrats who speak out against the party line. Yeah, exactly. I just don't know if he'll get enough traction to be enough of a threat for them to take him out. Because, I mean, they're not letting him get anywhere. You see, the message is the threat. The message – and th- this is why – uh, and, you know, and, and Lewis brought brought this point up just a few minutes ago. Isn't it ironic that two thirds of Catholics in this country walk into a Catholic church and can't tell you that the Eucharist is yeah. actually Jesus? I know. Yeah. But but if a Satanist walks into a Catholic church, they know who's there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. They and Protestants that too against us, for example. I believe a very radical and ignorant Protestant called by the name of, um, I don't really know, I don't really remember his name for first sight, but he's big on YouTube, even though he doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, Mike Winger, actually, now I remember. He was saying, oh, how Catholics are don't believe in the very same religion. And I'm like, well, one, yes, there are a lot of lukewarm Catholics out there. There are some Catholics that are just born into the religion and don't really care for it, but guess what? That applies just as much to Protestants too. Yeah, there sure. was a survey done um, on how many pro- uh, how many American Protestants believe that faith alone saves you, and the majority don't believe that. So mm-hmm. I can turn around and say the same thing. But the point is that um, lukewarm people exist, and they will always be, whether we like it or not, the majority. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't always because there is a... Um, Christ said it himself, he would separate the sheep from the goats. But it always starts out that way. There's always the majority are the people that, you know, are are, are not believers. They're just born into faith. But then eventually Jesus fleshes out the people that are the firm believers. Right. Well, what's going to turn around this country? You know, people talk about the crowds that Donald Trump is getting in his rallies. Okay? And and they're impressive-sized crowds. You want to impress me? Talk about the crowds at the Eucharistic rallies. Yeah, yeah. Those are the crowds that I'm getting excited about because those yeah, are the I crowds agree. that are going to change yeah. the world. I was just about to say that, actually. What I okay, so I'm here in, in the rural South. I'm all over North Carolina, South Carolina. I get into Southern Virginia, Tennessee. When I was a kid, you would drive past a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian church on Sunday morning. That parking lot was packed over falling, okay? It was like, you know, a high school football game. You know, if you're in the South, you know what I'm talking about. It's like you're not getting out of that parking lot very quickly. And now I'm driving past them on Sunday mornings and they're empty. They're like four or five cars. I'm driving past, I mean, I'm going to Catholic churches as, as I'm traveling across the state. And it's standing room only, and they're having three, four masses a day. Yeah, I mean, people keep saying the, the, all the movements in the evangelicals, all the movements. No, I am seeing the Catholic churches full in North Carolina, of all places, you know. And I am seeing the Protestant churches. It's it's the few grandparents that are left that are filling the. the, uh, and, the uh, and 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 but but they're not apples and oranges. They're not apples and oranges. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh You know. You know. Um, Oh yeah, they're the not coming. Evangelical going and praying in church is, uh-huh. or it's impressive. It's something to get you know enthused about. A million Catholics going to adoration. There's power. Yeah. There's power. And, yeah, and that's what is, I'm saying. I'm I'm seeing some some very big movement on the Catholic side. I'm seeing some very big movement. And that's new. And it's movement the in years. the presence of Christ. It's in it's literal power supernatural mm-hmm. power uh, that can break the bonds of, uh, of the devil. And that's why um, you're seeing all this, you know, we were talking about all these groups coming out and attacking the Catholic Church. You know, I love what Bishop Sheen said. If I didn't know what the true church was and I was yeah. trying to find it, <laughs> there's 
you know, there's plenty of information in the scriptures. All, all, all you have to do is, okay, what is the church that everyone hates? That's exactly. all you have to do. So I need a church that the communists hate and the socialists hate and the fascists hate and the uh, LGBTs hate and the secularists hate them and, uh, you know, the evangelicals the hate them. popular and, yeah. Right. Find a church that everyone hates. Well, we all know there's only one church that qualifies. Mm-hmm. So, um... Yeah, I tell you, I've been taking a lot of heat recently. Um, you know, I've, well, I've written a bunch of books, but um, one of the books I wrote, uh, well, I've written, like, I guess three specifically Catholic books, but one of them has crossover into herbal medicine, which is, you know, where I do my, my make my living. It's called The Christian History of Herbal Medicine. And, um... At first, I thought it was like the New Age and neo-pagans coming after me. I've come to realize it was, you know, the mainline Protestants. And they're saying, this book isn't Catholic. This book is, you know, pagan. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all about mysticism. And you know what it comes down to? As I had a chapter on St. Hildegard von Bingen. The one thing in that book I thought would convince, like, all the liberals and neo-pagans that say the Catholic Church hates women and it's all the patriarchy – that you know, one of our doctors of the church, one of the most respected women in all of history, is someone we really revere, is the one thing they're coming after me on. And I mean, they've they've done reviews on Amazon and just basically killed my book sales. Who was she again? Now. I didn't hear the first time. Saint Hildegard von Bingen. Oh, oh yeah, Saint Hildegard yeah. von Bingen, doctor, doctor of the, of the church. Catholic church. Yep. Mystic uh, theologian wrote a lot of mm-hmm. our, you know, music and probably the greatest herbalist ever to live. And I thought this would be like the one argument, right, that was going to win people over. I don't think it's actually the liberals that have taken offense to it. It seems to be the mainline Protestants. Yeah. You know, it's it's and it's amazing how much infighting there is in in uh, in in Catholicism. There's a lot of there's a lot of dissonant Catholics. There's a lot of, uh, it's just, it's just really, really sad people that, you know, you've got all these different factions. You got this one faction that's following after every, every private revelation, everyone that, that says they saw a vision in their backyard, (laughs) they're chasing after them. Um, you know, and, and, and then you've got the, the radical traditionalists. And, and uh, you know, I, I love tradition. I love the Latin mass, I, I, you know. But you've got the radical traditional tra- traditionalist that says that if everything isn't done like it was done 500 years ago, uh, everyone is going to hell, <laughs> okay? And then you've got the flip side of that. You've got the radical modernists. Who, you know, well, we should be ordaining women, and we should be ordaining, yeah. you know, gays, and uh, you just got all these different splinter groups that all, you know, are are undoing their own claim to Catholicism because we are yeah. to be yeah. one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic, sure. and it is our yeah, unity I mean, that is our strength. Yeah, Saint Paul said, I mean, even in his time, he was, you know. Most of his letters to all those churches that are in the letters of St. Paul in the New Testament are specifically about no divisions, listen to your bishop, uh, we're all supposed to be one and, and unified, and don't don't crucify Christ again by dividing the body of the church. Mm-hmm. And, and, yet, and yet we see it. Yep. And it's um, it, it just... Yeah, and to me, the, the 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 ones that follow after the false revelations are the ones that really, because we have such a richness of real, genuine miracles in our church. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do you need to be following after this, you know, this crazy stuff? You know, like um, Maria Divine Mercy is, is one example. Um, and and I I'm I'll be honest with you, one that really gets me is Medjugorje. I, I oh, can't yeah. I can't fathom how anyone could believe that Medjugorje is legit. Yet six <laughs> visionaries that have all become multimillionaires. Uh yeah. they they even the Ruini Commission says they're liars, says they've contradicted themselves countless times. 
no verified miracles, no verified um, uh, medical uh, cures, no mm-hmm. verified prophecies that have come true. Is everything 22 bishops of jurisdiction, and it just won't go away. It just won't go away. And I, and I don't understand why you have all these adherents of Medjugorje when we have Fatima. <laughs> we have Lourdes. We have yeah. Guadalupe. We have, you know, Our Lady of Pontmain, Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. I mean, we, yeah, and, and, and let's not even stop there. Let's talk about Eucharistic miracles. Let's oh, talk yeah. about yeah. miracles of saints and, and just mm-hmm. what, are, yeah, what are some look, of your favorite yeah. saints? Well, I haven't looked into Medjugorje enough, honestly. It's something I really haven't even thought about in 10 years. You just well, brought you back know, my it's, memory. It's kind of funny that you yeah. that you say that because that that happened for me a few years ago, and I decided, you know what, I need to, I need to find out what the truth is. And I yeah. went out and got I got two 600-page books, and I started watching interview after interview. One of the books that I got was, and the books that I got were like meticulously indexed of, of the messages, everything, mm-hmm. you know, chronologically indexed, and from the actual original tape recordings. And one was by Father Ibro Sivarek. And then I just started reading how five priests from the Medjugorje Inner Circle were defrocked and excommunicated mm-hmm. and exiled out of the country by Cardinal Ratzinger, impregnating a nun and conjuring up mm-hmm. evil spirits. And like, okay. These are the priests. I, yeah, I kind of have a rule of thumb. If if if, if uh, Ratzinger said it was was or wasn't, I go with what he says. Well, he said he Ratzinger was definitely against it. Ratzinger okay. was one hundred percent against Medjugorje. Yeah, the, you know, I converted when um, uh, Pope John Paul II was still alive, and mm-hmm. um, it was you know uh, Pope Benedict's writings. It was well, and 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 uh, John Paul II. Um, that really brought me into the church. So I mean, that is sort of like my fallback position. It's like, you know, if Ratzinger said it, okay, we're good. Well, I mean, like I said, he excommunicated and defrocked five of the priests from the inner circle, including their, their the spiritual director of the visionaries. So mm-hmm. right, okay. that says all you need to know, you know, for me. Um, so, so I've got to go um, back through it and, and, figure out what I read at the time when I was reading about it that I need to not uh, quote in the future because I um, I may have been confused by some of what I've read. Let me let me um, recommend a book for you. The book to read is Medjugorje Complete by Donald Anthony, Anthony Foley. That book has everything you need to know in it. Okay, you'll, you'll, okay. It will yeah, I, I definitely quote Fatima a lot. Um, I that I know I get confused sometimes, you know, on some of the messages. Yeah. I'll tell you a book that blew me away was when I read Bernadette uh, Subaru by uh, Francois Trocou. Wow. And, and I had immense respect for St. Bernadette before I read the book, but I was overwhelmed by that book. Just okay, great. Her, great. her um, she suffered a lot more than a lot of people realize, and... Uh, she suffered and she was persecuted and um, and just she never never lost her humility, never lost her courage, yeah. never lost her faith um, during that entire time. It's really boy, it's wonderful being a Catholic, isn't it? It is, and you just reminded me of that. I'm you know the, recently saw the old movie, The Song of Bernadette, and you know it's a secular movie, but it was a beautiful movie. And uh, you know that was never shown in North Carolina when it came out. The the Klan wouldn't allow it. So uh, it's such a privilege now to uh, be able to see it, like on Turner Classic Movies, and realize you know what what we missed. Yeah, the Ku Klux Klan was was um, big in North Carolina and Virginia and mm-hmm. Maryland during the I guess sixties and seventies, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but uh, like, yeah, eighteen ninety to probably about nineteen eighty, uh, I would say was their 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 reign. Um, yeah, it's amazing we had any Catholic churches here in North Carolina. But yeah, they kept the movies like that, like Song of Bernadette or the Miracles at Fatima. Um, 
Oh, even the old uh, movies with you know uh, Bing Crosby as the priest. Uh, those were not allowed to be shown in North Carolina. Yeah, bells, uh, the bells of St. Mary's. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, movies like that. You know, Father Flanagan. <laughs> yeah, there's just culturally classic Catholic movies, and you know, and I'm, I'm a huge Bing Crosby fan, by the way. I just love the way that man sang, and uh, you know, I would had I lived in that era, I would have been very disappointed your, not to see that. Movie. What's your favorite Bing Crosby song? Oh man, it's got to be going back to when he was with the Rhythm Boys with the Paul Whiteman Orchestra, and he'd do Mississippi Mud. Ain't it neat to beat your feet on the Mississippi Mud? <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, I think it's Faith, Faith of Our Fathers. His rendition of oh, Faith yeah. of Our Fathers just makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know the it man could sing, and um, thing is, his his memory's been so disparaged. Um, you know, most people say, oh, he beat his wife and kids, and you know, you know, one of his children wrote a biography, and the other three came out and said, well, he was an addict, a gambling and drug addict, and this is all false, and he did just make money. I just hope that what that that one son said was not true, and that he really was who he portrayed himself to be. Because mm-hmm. you talk about a great American, a patriot, a Catholic, a, a wonderful singer, a, a friend to all races and peoples. Uh, I mean, he and Louis Armstrong were best friends, you know, in, in a time where that wasn't really um, acceptable in many in many places. Yeah, yeah, and he had kind of. Tarred as being a racist because of uh, uh, you know some of the themes in in White Christmas and Holiday Inn and yeah it's just ridiculous yeah <laughs> well, well I mean, a lot of that was just the, yeah. you know um, there's a lot of humor today there's a lot of satire and humor today that uh, that could be you know deemed that way um, oh yeah, yeah we as a well, society have forgotten how to laugh at ourselves you know. Exactly, and you know, when it comes down to humor, uh, Red Fox, you know, he played Fred Sanford, everybody knows mm-hmm. Red Fox. Mm-hmm. His best friend growing up was Malcolm X. And you think about it, one became a communist civil rights activist and all that. The other one became probably the most beloved comedian of his generation, and I would say without a doubt, Red Fox did more to um, advance the cause of racial equality and to make people feel like we're all just the same through his humor mm-hmm. than Malcolm X ever did through his politics. Yeah, that's an interesting take. And I, I think that, uh, you know, when you look at, when you look at comedians and look at humor, they're nothing more than, than a, a reflection of what the culture is. Should but be, they are. Right? I, I think you could say the same about music. You know, music is just a reflection of what of, of what what the you know, changes in the culture are going through. So is that the case? Something. We're in bad straits right now. Are you a college football fan? You know, not really. Uh, played no. football, loved played football. Never got into watching football. It's just one of those barriers I never crossed. Okay. I'm a big Notre Dame fan. I would be doing. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, my my one sports addiction is baseball. I'm a huge Atlanta Braves fan, of course, and uh, they are tearing it up this year. <laughs> they are tearing it up. Okay. Oh so yeah, I mean, guys- they just beat the Yankees and the Mets. I mean, we're talking like nine to nothing, twenty-one to three one night. It's like the wow. best time to be a baseball fan if you're a Southerner. You can imagine, like 1991 all over again. Wow. Did you say that, Lewis? I said what I really uh, agreed upon, you, uh, it was a comment that you made earlier, that we have sort of like a war between rad trads and extreme modernists. Yeah. Um, they both have points, but you are right. Um, they both go to different extremes. And I'm pretty sure the Catholic Church will soon speak out on this and try to find a way that everyone can be happy. Like, um, like yourself, uh, I also love the Latin Mass. I don't think it should be oppressed. Or suppressed, but um, there's nothing wrong with a novice order mass. Um, do I think that it should be done more properly? Yes, but um, it's not a, a an invalid mass, which is something that, for example, a rad tribe would say it's not a valid mass. I, I disagree with that. It came from an ecumenical council, so it's a valid mass. Yeah, 
I agree. Goes back definitely. The, we were talking about the modernists. Then we have moderners, Catholics, which I would even consider worse than rad trads, and that uh, they are going uh, overboard by saying things like, you know, we should ordain women, and um, it's okay to affirm the LGBT in their behavior. Things like that just simply contradict the Catholic faith. Yes, definitely. So, uh, I believe, like, if you're a modernist, I think of um, – I think of, for example, President Biden or Nancy Pelosi. If you're a modernist Catholic, um, you're basically lukewarm. That's from my perspective. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I even go further. I don't even know if they're lukewarm. I, I mean, I think they're just totally ap- apostate. I mean, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Biden to me, and his to mother me, told him not to to the Pope. So. Yeah, to and me, that's a lukewarm like, Catholic. Maybe I'm using a different definition in it than anyone else. But to me, a lukewarm Catholic are like the Pace Catholics that, that, that I call the Pace Catholics. And that's Palm Sunday, Ash Wednesday, Christmas, yeah. and Easter. That's the only time you see them in church. These are right. the lukewarm yeah. Catholics. Uh, they, they don't hold to uh, openly heretical views, but they don't practice their faith either. Um, right. So those are the lukewarm Catholics. To me, uh, I agree with Justin. But Joe Biden's a heretic. <laughs> He's not a, yeah. He's yeah. not Biden a Catholic. Is even, Biden is even funding the, the FBI spying on Catholics. So yeah. he's not a Catholic, and neither is that Nancy Pelosi. Yes. Well, see, my what I always say is a liberal is a liberal first. The ideology of liberalism, which is, yes, a mental disease, as we talked about last week, mm-hmm. that is the primary identification of a liberal. They're a liberal Catholic. They're a liberal Jew. They're a liberal Protestant. Or, and if or anyone other. doubts that, I want to recommend a book, okay? It's called The Liberal Mind, The Psychological Causes of Political Madness, and it's by Dr. Lyle H. Rossiter, Jr., and I interviewed that man probably 30 times on my political show. Uh, he's interviewed with Hannity. He's interviewed with um, with Bill O'Reilly. He's interviewed with Laura Ingraham. Um, yeah, the liberal causes of political madness. Do you guys mind going a little bit into the archive? Because we're going to the yeah, archive. Cool. I want to talk about some of the projects that we got coming up. Yeah, that's cool. No problem. Okay. So – a few years ago, when I was at my other apostolate that is now an apostate, <laughs> then we we uh, we did a project on the um, the, birth, the determining the birth date of Jesus Christ, and we made this presentation, and I want to clean it up, really high production quality with with you know musical scores and. And, and, and sound effects and, and real good oration and everything like that. Um, and we're going to make the case that Jesus was born December 25th, 2 B.C. And um, I'd like you all to, to assist me with that, if you would. Are you familiar with the story, Judson? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's something I've been interested in, so I'm going to listen with curiosity. Well, one of the ironic things about it is that this year's calendar actually really works out exactly right as to the calendar that they use to determine the birthday of Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about the calendar of 3 B.C. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Chronicles, in the Old Testament, it lists the rotation of the priestly courses. And our Protestant brothers and sisters like to point to that and say, well, see, it shows that the priestly rotation began on one Nisan with the course of uh, Jehoiarib. And, you know, it worked around eight weeks later to the course of, of uh, you know, Abijah and blah, 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 and Jesus was born in September. Well, what they don't realize um, you remember the scene in the Old Testament, it's in, it's in Numbers 13, where God commands Israel to go in and, and conquer this land, uh, the, 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 the promised land. And he said, I've already delivered it into your hands. 
And the 12 spies came back and they were wringing their hands and saying, oh, it's a race of giants. They're too powerful. There's no way we can win. You know, well, well, well. And then infuriated God. Because God said, I've already delivered them into your hands. Um, and as a result, God cursed that day. He said, this day will be forever cursed in your According to the ancient Jewish writings, the day that occurred was the ninth day of the fifth month of the Jewish calendar, the ninth of Av. And it is startling, if you ever look this up, it is startling the number of catastrophic and truly catastrophic events that have occurred in Jewish history on the ninth of Av. In 135 A.D., there was a massacre when almost 600,000 people were killed, Mm -hmm. okay, and other massacres and other disasters. Well, it just so happens that in 537 B.C., on the 9th of Av, the temple was besieged by the Babylonians, was overthrown by the Babylonians. When they rebuilt the temple, they began the rotation on the 9th of Av. Kind of as a reminder <laughs> to never forget how they messed up. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so the temple w- the rotation began on the 9th of Av. And we know this because after the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., we recovered documents from the temple that showed that the rotation had started on the 9th of Av. And, oh, by the way, the temple in 70 AD was destroyed, you guessed it, on the 9th of Av. So, yeah. So how, what does that have to do with the birth of Christ? Well, <laughs> in 2023, the 9th of Av, the afternoon of the 9th of Av, which is when the attack on the temple occurred in 70 AD, 3 BC, the 9th of Av, the afternoon fell on July 28th, okay? Well, this year, okay, matches 3 BC, okay? Now, why is that important? That means that Zechariah was in the temple near the end of September. And it says the entire multitude of the crowd of people were outside. And Zechariah entered into the sanctuary to burn incense. Well, the church has said emphatically that means it was Yom Kippur. Only possible day near the end of September he enters the temple to offer incense. The crowd of the people were outside. It was Yom Kippur. Well, in 3 BC, just like in 2023, Yom Kippur fell on September 25th. And, of course, you know, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel visited Mary six months later. That would be March 25th. And then Jesus was born nine months later on December 25th. That, that's how the church originally arrived with the December 25th date. So me and my friends said, okay, that, that, that sounds reasonable, that sounds plausible, but do all the other pieces fit? And we did this research project, and it was astounding that when we looked at the actual historical evidence of when Herod the Great died, of when Quirinius was governing Syria, of uh, just all these different events, the star and, and, and all these different events and times, the age that Jesus was when his ministry, ministry started, the age that he was when he died, and all of these different pieces, um, it, not only does December 25th, 2 BC fit, but one by one by one, every other possible date is eliminated. It's, it's astounding what the, what the research showed. So we're going to work through that production, and I'm going to ask you guys to contribute parts and, and, and help me with that. Can I get your help? Yeah, yeah, sounds great. 
All right, it's going to be fantastic. Um, all right, so let's wrap things up here. Which one of you wants to end on a closing prayer? Well, I did it last time. How about if one of y'all takes it this time? Lewis? Maybe I'll do it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, dear Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, thank you for descending the Holy Spirit, the third person with us tonight in educating the Catholic laity as laymen ourselves. Help us to always know our place and to be submissive to um, our Catholic leaders, the ones that are always submissive to you. Help us to always remain humble and meek and focused on serving you and not ourselves. Help us to be like your mother Mary, perfectly obedient and um, immaculate. Even if we can't achieve that by our own human means, let us always to continue to do good works in faith, where you cannot separate faith from works. You must be both to please you and to bring your gospel to your people. Help us to defeat Satan. Help us to be your tools in your journey, which has already succeeded in defeating Satan and spreading his false gospels of um, egoism and selfishness and confusion. Thank you for bringing us tonight, O Lord, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless, brothers, and I'll see you next time. Yep. Have a great week.